let's say you discover that you have a twin brother that you have not known about for your entire life. And one day, there he is. Do you just assume he's going to sleep with your wife or... Um, <laughs> I don't think that would be my first thought. I, I wouldn't assume that uh, my new brother uh, that I've never met before, his first intention is to have sex with my wife. Fair enough. I, uh, <laughs> would I that be keep your it, assumption? Keep, keep an eye on him is all I'm saying. <laughs> would just that be your assumption? Him. No, I think my first assumption would be that this is like a doppelganger from a parallel dimension here to kill me and take my place. So you wouldn't trust at all this person had any genuine... Oh, life. I just start strangling him. <laughs> you know, just to prevent him from sleeping with your partner. And what are the chances? To, yeah. What are the chances I have a random twin brother that's been out there raised in some other country because our parents well, were murdered and we were split up at birth? When they hear this podcast, don't worry. Uh, they're going to get in touch with you. Not if they know what's good for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. Uh, <laughs> today we are discussing... The incredible Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie, Double Impact, where Van Damme plays himself and his twin brother. God damn it. This is great shit. I mean, I love JCVD. You cannot go wrong um, with the muscles from Brussels. Um, we watched Bloodsport in our first season, um, and I really enjoyed that one. Classic. Just a classic. Yeah. Definitely enjoyable to see JCPD show up in not one, but two characters. In yeah, it's twice movie. as good. It's got twice as much JCVD for you. Yeah. Oh, of course. Get excited. Not not quite enough splits, but... Uh, <laughs> we have some. You got to work the splits We, got, we got a little bit. We got a little bit. I don't think he's allowed to make a movie unless he does the splits at one point. Oh, I think so. I think that's got to be his trademark move. It's in his contract, probably, yeah, right? He's, he so. demands it. Yeah. That's cool, man. Well, uh, this is an early 90s. I didn't realize 91. I always thought it was an 80s movie. It definitely has 80s movie sensibility. But as it went through, you can kind of tell that the decade had changed. The music and then some of the other things that appeared in there definitely made it feel more 90s. Well, especially the end credits music. That was just straight <laughs> 90s, man. What oh was my that gosh. called? What was that song? Feel the Impact, isn't yes. it? Yeah. yeah, Feel the Input. Feel it. <laughs> feel, feel. <laughs> Just ridiculous. What a good time. Now, unfortunately, that's where the good time ends for me because the beer we are drinking today, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about this beer? Oh, my God. Why are you always on about how bad it's going to be? It's going to be delicious. I don't think so. So we have a double vision, double IPA here. So going along with our double impact theme, our double Jean-Claude Van Damme, we are getting double the IPA here, and it's oh. going to be delicious. This is from... Uh, Brock Street Brewing Company. Um, they've been around since 2015, and they're now located. Well, I think they've always been located in in Whitby, Ontario. That's correct. Um, I haven't had any beers from them, so I'm excited to try it out. I have because I have some Whitby experience, and they have usually a wide selection of beers, not just beers but other beverages as well. They do like a hard iced tea that's really good. They do some vodka stuff these days, like a lot of people do. But yeah, just generally speaking, they usually have like ten or more beers readily available. Um, at all times and I've had a good experience with a lot of their stuff that's cool uh, this one is I guess a part of their signature series so I think it's one that they make fairly frequently yeah sometimes it's it's they definitely brew it every year but I don't think it's available all the time but yeah you can find it pretty easily if it's not out right now it'll probably be out again within the calendar a few months yeah oh definitely <laughs> um and I think again pretty good connection here double vision you know John Claude Van Damme himself is a double vision in this playing himself and his twin so love it yeah we're doing okay so, uh I guess we should probably yeah, you're get, stalling get here. This is the most I you've know. ever talked about a beer before. I'm you're nervous. nervous. You're nervous to get into this, just like you'd be nervous if you met your own twin. <laughs> yeah, same exactly. feeling. You're having the same feeling. You're just thinking about him. Right 
f***ing your partner? Yeah, I'm worried this beer is going to try it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we open with some intense music as the camera pans over a forest, revealing the Hong Kong skyline, and we end up at a ribbon-cutting ceremony for the Victoria Harbor Tunnel. The first characters to speak are some rich, old, white men, one of whom looks kind of like a discount Wayne Newton. <laughs> um, I didn't make that connection, but I like now that you've pointed this out. It seems like we're celebrating the creation of a tunnel underground, which is supposed to improve the life of all of the people in the area. I'm confused. Is it connecting Hong Kong to Australia? Why are there Australian flags everywhere? Uh, no, I think those are the Hong Kong flags. What? With the Union Jack? Yes. All right. Uh, well, either way, after the ribbon-cutting ceremony, the rich old white men are driving home in their luxury cars, celebrating each other's successes, when suddenly one of them, Paul, picks up a tail. Another car shows up, starts following him. We get the impression that the guy in the other car, Frank, is his bodyguard. And once he figures out something is wrong, he races to try to save them. Alas, it's too late as a crew of hired guns, including Bolo Yung, the Chinese Hercules, murder Paul and his wife. But they don't murder his twin babies. And if you can't see where this is going, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I wondered where this was starting um, until we get those shots of the twins in the back of the car. And then we're like, oh, their parents are done. And then I started wondering... What's going to happen with these two babies? Clearly, they survive because they're going to be JCPD, but are they going to be one evil, one good? Like, what's going to happen here? So that's how I remember it. I remember it as being that one brother is evil and one brother is good, but it turns out we didn't have that exactly right. Now, as I mentioned, the bodyguard arrives too late to save them, but he does manage to kill a few of the gunmen and tells the nanny, who was also in the car with uh, Paul and his wife, to take the babies and get out of there. Inexplicably, she only takes one of them, and Frank makes off with the other, but not before he sees the great value Wayne Newton, a.k.a. Griffith, who apparently set them up. From there, we find out what happened to baby number one as the nanny drops him off at a French orphanage in Hong Kong, which, if it made any sense at all, would be a good way to explain JCVD's accent, kind of. <laughs> it is hilarious how they work that in, right? Um, in a lot of his movies, they either try to, like, hide or come up with a solution for why he has the accent that he does. And this one's funny. I always find it strange that they connect it to like him being from France rather than from Belgium where he's actually from. I think for a long time, I actually just thought he was from France. Oh, I, I did for yeah. sure. His name sounds French. Yeah. yeah. So they explain away where he is by, because he's being raised in a French like orphanage. What the fuck is that doing in Hong Kong though? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. It's being run by nuns. Well, most orphanages are, I feel. Yeah, so I guess, um, like, there's a large French Catholic, like, population, I in think. In Hong Kong? I, I don't know. Maybe, in the I world, know, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, maybe they, they find a spot all over. I suppose. But um, how do they explain the other twin? What happens well, there? We see him 25 years later in California teaching in an adult karate class. He is in the tightest fucking tights. And it's probably no coincidence that all of his clients are women. There's a great quote here as he explains how stretching is so important. Because of my big legs and karate, I can do the splits no problem. And I'm impressed that he manages to show off that flexibility without slipping on some of the juices that are all over the floor. <laughs> those, those women are just... Uh, so I don't think it was a karate class. I think he was teaching them like a stretching athletics class because they do call him into the karate class to clean up something afterwards. But... You are right. The women are all over him, and he's wearing a very skimpy top, and the pants he has on leave nothing to the imagination. But the same can be said of the women. I'm pretty sure a couple had 
yeah, hanging out of the bottom of their <laughs> no, they're, their listen, one man. pieces. It was uh, yeah. their skimpy 80s outfits were there too. Hey, man, you don't go fishing without bait. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what's up. They're yeah, just there for yeah. JCVD. Yeah, Frank uh, asks him to drop it in a karate class where he quickly knocks out a douchey instructor. And then Frank explains to this Jean-Claude Van Damme that he isn't actually his uncle and that he isn't actually from France. He was just raised there. So that's how they explain his accent. Jesus Christ. Like, this is, (laughs) come on. Yeah, the expedition in this is pretty bullshit. It happens so quickly where he's just like, I'm not your uncle. And then he explains, your parents were killed and you and your twin brother got separated. Separated, but they both ended up in places where they speak French. What a coincidence. Oh, how did that happen? Anyway, uh, they need to go to Hong Kong, and they do. Once they get there, they head to a mahjong parlor, which is clearly a front for something. And there's a strange moment where one of the locals sees Van Damme and hands him a wad of cash. It's almost like he's mistaken him for someone. Hmm. (laughs) This sort of theme continues. He's given a beverage that is told to be his favorite, and then he's also... Invited to the back of this sort of parlor or bar by a, an attractive woman. Yeah, she lures him into a back room to him off or something. But first, she's going to have to take off his ridiculous shorts. <laughs> these shorts are absurd. <laughs> oh, I love them. He's wearing these pink shorts. They're, he's wearing them a bit high. He's kind of has them a like... A bit, Jesus yeah, Christ. He has them right up to his like belly button. So they're making them look extremely small uh, and short. And they are definitely hugging his groin excessively because of it. Um, but it's funny. She opens up the zipper of these shorts and reaches in and feels his uh, silky black underwear. And uh, while she's touching his dick, what is he saying? Well, he tells her that uh, he tells her to keep going, first of all, and then uh, mentions that he's got a surprise for her, a big surprise, a huge surprise. But before any of this can go anywhere, the other and clearly more badass Jean-Claude Van Damme comes in. Turns out this is his lady. He doesn't take kindly to uh, some same-faced imposter trying to get an old-fashioned from her. So he knocks him out with a headbutt. Is this where you got the theory about uh, if a twin came along, they would instantly try to f*** your partner? I mean, there's a couple points in this movie that sort of lend credence to that. but uh, you I, know. I mean, definitely that is something they play with in this movie for sure. Oh, for sure. But, but the Chad character, our California Jean-Claude Van Damme. Nerdy he, Van Damme, yeah. Nerdy Van Damme, yeah. He never goes there. No, he's actually a good guy as it turns yeah. out. Whereas his brother, uh, Alex, is his name. We get the impression he's kind of involved in some shady business. When the uh, nerdy JCVD comes to, he wants to know what's going on, and Frank obliges, explaining to him that he has a twin brother, duh, and that the poor man's way, Newton Griffith, murdered their father after the completion of the harbor tunnel from earlier. And I don't know about you, but I spent this whole scene watching to see if they would ever be in the same shot. And they are at one point, but you can tell it's two different shots. They don't quite line up properly. Like, badass JCVD isn't directly facing Chad when he's talking to him, right? Like, they didn't quite get it right. I instantly was doing the same thing. Most of the shots are them with the other characters, so not together. But when they do get to the one where they are together, you can tell it's a green screen. You can see the outlines. And you're right, whatever point of interest they had them look at when they delivered their lines was just a little bit off. Yeah, not quite. It's okay. It's not great. It's not great. It, it doesn't hold up to what it would look like today, right? This would be extremely easy to do and would look incredible today, right? But um, you can tell it, it's dated with the technology they used to put them on screen together. Well, and yet this, I think, is the best scene of that in this movie like it gets worse as they go along i feel the two of them appear on in the same shot a few times and it gets like progressively worse well they make the connection between them like closer and stronger throughout and anytime there's gonna have to be physical connection between jcvd and himself it's obviously a lot harder right oh yeah we'll get to that though so the plan is revenge 
They're going to get revenge for the death of their father. And they set out by boat to like infiltrate this gang, I guess. Turns out it's actually some kind of an exchange as a few Asian guys come aboard with a suitcase and are about to leave with a couple of Mercedes full of cigarettes and VCRs. Early 90s. <laughs> yeah, so we we think, or I think when we're going into this, that we're going to start building some information on the people they're going to take down. But really, it's Alex trying to finish off some of his own smuggling business, right? It looks like he makes his money bringing things into Hong Kong or trading them with the Chinese. Yeah, but I don't think he's very good at this because the Hong Kong Harbor Police show up like immediately. And of course, Alex thinks that the other guy set him up. They think that he set them up. So we get a giant fight. It goes sideways. Uh, This badass Jean-Claude Van Damme just kicks the shit out of all these dudes without ever taking a cigar out of his mouth. And they race away, losing the cops after dumping the cars in the water and shooting them until they explode. So go ahead. (laughs) I know this bothered you. Come on. What do you got? Oh, this scene was funny. I do like how they were able to dump the cars um, and start getting away. When they started shooting the car, though, I was visibly upset. I was screaming at the television, no, because I knew what the plan was here. Okay, but at least they're shooting it with like an assault rifle. It's multiple shots. It's not one shot from a little pistol and the whole thing blows. Like, come on. Yeah, it was better than the average like explode a car with a gun scene. I guess that's true, but it still makes me upset. I still don't like it. Plus the cigarettes are flammable. Come on. (laughs) Yes, they contributed to that explosion. (laughs) Anyway, the dynamic here between the two brothers is hilarious. It's like a mismatched buddy comedy, only they're both being played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. It is funny. Um, For a while, this, like, different Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, each one as a separate character works actually pretty well. Like, I feel like they are different (laughs) characters, and it's clear, and they're showing different personalities. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy for me to follow as them being separate things. Um, That's going to get mixed up about halfway through, though. To your point, the nerdy version, Chad, is mortified by all of this. But his badass brother, Alex, flips him one of the Mercedes hood ornaments and says, Welcome to Hong Kong. So he's a little, you know, he's a little more unflappable. The next day, they try to make a plan over lunch with badass JCVD's lady. Danielle is her name, but she storms out before they can get started. Turns out she's been working for Griffith for the last five years, and that probably isn't ideal. Sure enough, right on cue, uh, Chad gets grabbed by some goons, one of whom is uh, Bolo Young, who's definitely looked better and stuffed in the back of a car. He's lost a significant amount of mass, I feel, from Bloodsport to now. (laughs) He's still massive. Um, In this movie, they spend most of the time with him fully clothed. You don't see his arms and chest that much, where in Bloodsport, he was like topless the entire time we see him. But you're right. I think he might be a little smaller. They have really um, messed up his face. In the flashback scene, the start thing that starts the movie, you do see a bullet break a window in front of his face, and he's clearly got some scars and a, a damaged eye from that. Experience. Yeah, that kind of milky white uh, eye that you, yeah. Yeah, they do a good job with making him like a villain, though. He does a good job in both of the JCBD movies. I understand why they've gone back to this well of having him be that evil character. Sure. He does great. Yeah. Um, We've, uh, we've clearly got a case of mistake identity here as the guy in the car who happens to have a cigar box that Frank had given JCBD's father on the night he died thinks he's his brother and is mad about the car deal. When he offers this Van Damme a cigar, he notices the box and reacts immediately despite having very little information that would allow him to connect these dots. Yeah, this is one of those weird scenes where the audience knows so much more than the character in the movie 
they're trying to tell us something that the character shouldn't know. But the big fuck up here is he realizes that uh, it was his father's. I mean, it has the three initials, but it it is really weird. Um, but he's there. He has tried to tell them once that he's not his brother, but then starts taking a different track, right? He then decides, okay, they're not going to believe me. I'm just going to have to roll with it. And he does. They roll right to a some kind of like industrial yard in the middle of nowhere, which is never a good sign. But apparently these guys aren't going to kill him yet. This is all a prelude to another deal that is going to allow him to make good in the misunderstanding from earlier. Instead of accepting this to get out of there in one piece, though, he tells the boss to go fuck himself. And we've got a big fight scene, which ends with Bolo Yoon karate chopping him right in the d- and bashing his head against the side of a shipping container. Yeah, JCVD takes it pretty bad here. He starts out pretty strong by beating the first two goons who come up. Uh, but he does not stand on his feet much longer. Uh, Jean-Claude gets, yeah, like you said, chopped right in the d- and smashed against this shipping container. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard L for him on this one. And they end up dumping him in the middle of the street in Hong Kong. He tells Frank about the big guy with the scar, and he tells Frank he's in for this revenge plan. His twin brother is in too and sits down next to him in what is our first unfortunately terrible green screen effect. There's like an outline around both of them. I think this was the most egregious green screen editing Oh, disagree. Mistake. The truck. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're right. So, But this is bad too. Yeah. Let's not split hairs here. This one you see more of the green screen outline, yes. I think, than the truck one, but the truck one is just so unbelievable. Now, they decide to use the badass JCVD Alex's lady as a spy on the inside. And while she tries to dig for information on Griffith, the rest of them set up shop in an abandoned hotel on a nearby island. We get an infusion of comedy here as the nerdy Jean-Claude Van Damme trips going up the stairs and a bird lands on him. And then later he tries to act like a big shot but gets scared when his brother fires a gun indoors. I smell padding for this whole sequence. (laughs) Maybe. Um, They are definitely trying to add some comedy to it. It's really strange to me that there is this empty hotel, but I guess this is something that was not uncommon. Well, all I know is I've seen other movies where there are abandoned hotels, like usually in the Pacific. I know The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, that Wes Anderson movie, they have one of those there as well. Apparently it happens a lot, like weather, tsunamis, hurricanes, whatever, will destroy most of a city or town on an island and those won't rebuild. Like They can't afford to, so it ends up being abandoned. It just goes there. And so I guess they use this space. Um, the California Jean-Claude is is not a, not happy about it. He's used to a particular style of life, right? Yeah, Chad's been living uh, the high life for a while and is not ready to go. Uh, I still can't believe yeah. they chose Chad to be his name. <laughs> I mean, it's a reasonably California, yeah. but he grew up in France. So yeah. why is he? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. That night, they attempt their first strike, sneaking into a depot near the harbor where a drop is supposed to be happening, and they start snapping some necks. They also plant some explosives. They're doing a pretty good job of sneaking around until the nerdy Jean-Claude Van Damme roundhouse kicks a guy right into some boxes or something that makes a loud noise. So it's a gunfight, and uh, Alex, the badass JCVD, shows off some pretty sweet moves here. By pretty sweet, you mean he starts rolling around on the ground (laughs) with two handguns in his hand, and he's shooting people upside down. Upside down shot, buddy. Oh, my goodness. It's... um, it's what you expect from this kind of movie, but it was so ludicrous. You have to laugh your ass off at <laughs> yeah. this for sure. I'm definitely sensing you have a favorite of the two JCVDs here, and maybe we should talk about it as we get to the end. But uh, you're calling one the nerdy and one the badass. Because one is comparatively nerdy. The other one's the fucking badass. He's out there making criminal deals and looking intimidating. I don't know. So so you feel like the Alex is the cooler of the uh, the two? Yes, clearly. Okay. That's the one. No, you're right. Tiny Salmon Shorts Chad is the one that, uh, (laughs) he's the badass of the pair. No, I didn't say he was more of a badass. I just wondered why you would choose him as the one that 
Like, if you were to choose one that you would rather be, would it rather be Alex or Chad? I don't know. Alex has got some anger issues. Uh, he does some stuff later on that I do not agree with. So, okay. <laughs> Chad, Chad's kind of a sweetheart. I don't know. It's hard. It's all tough right. to say. Tough all to right, say. All right, all right. I did love how in this whole sequence, we just get the classic action movie trope where despite the thousands of bullets being fired from extremely close range, neither Van Damme brother gets shot. Not even a scratch, just nothing. You can't hit him. He's just too busy rolling. And at actually one point, he uh, is about to get shot in the back and does a roll to avoid bullets. The guy shoots the gun. It's a machine gun. He shoots multiple times and he goes from a standing position where he doesn't see the guy to rolling out of the way. Like when he hears the click, like, come on, it's absurd. He sensed it. He had his success. <laughs> he knew it was coming, and he started that roll at the perfect time. Forward roll faster than a speeding bullet. Yes, My God. exactly. Uh, anyway, they end up escaping in an old truck, and Frank blows the building to smithereens. This is where we get the green screen on the truck, which is exceptionally terrible. You're right. They escape on this truck, and what we have is who you call the badass, Alex. He's driving it out, and Chad is hanging on the outside. And when the two of them are in screen together... You can tell that one of them is clearly not there, and you can tell the background outside of the truck is clearly not real, too. Oh, you mean the bright, colorful night sky that only accentuates the fact that it's a fucking green screen? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Not good. After a quick, heartwarming scene where Danielle tells Alex where Griffith will be that night and then tries to eat his face, we cut to Griffith <laughs> giving a toast at a formal dinner. Alex comes in with a crate of cognac for Mr. Griffith, which he hands off to a particularly douchey-looking guard who is just an awful actor. What accent did this fucking guy have? It was brutal. When I saw this guy the very first time in the scene where they beat up Chad, the nerdy Alex, I was like, who is that guy? And then they bring him back again. You're like, well, you know he's going to be fodder for Jean-Claude. He's not going to stand. Frank is already inside holding a detonator, so we can safely assume it isn't actually cognac in that crate. And meanwhile, back at the dinner table, Griffith is pissed off at his underlings, so he has his muscular lady bodyguard kill one of them to set an example. While that's happening, the other JCVD brings in another crate, which I guess is also full of explosives. It's really hard to track what's going on in this scene. They make this extremely confusing. It's clear that they're trying to set a trap for Griffith and Jang, and they have this fake cognac, but what I don't understand is why both Alex and Chad are dressed the same and have the same hairstyle in this. Like, the entire time, we had even praised them earlier about doing a good job of keeping it all separate, and I was like, had they fucked up in filming this and so they had to make an excuse and go back and film them looking the same, or was this supposed to be a part of their strategy to confuse the, like, mafia gang people? So I think it's probably a strategy thing because, essentially, well, I mean, we find out very soon, they don't know there's a second Van Damme, But, like, up until now, the hair has been the defining feature. Other than, like, their mannerisms, the hair is how, that's Chad, that's Alex, right? They remove that, and I'm just completely fucking lost. With this whole scene, I'm like, which one is this? Neither one of us knows. Frank triggers the explosives in the first crate, which creates a lot of confusion, but doesn't actually kill anyone important. And while the Van Dams are trying to escape, Zhang spots them and gives us the most famous line from this movie. There's two of them. <laughs> I like that. That's the one that I remember as a kid. I, yeah, I guess that is the big moment. It's funny because as an audience member, you know all along, so it doesn't feel like a big secret. But to the plot and to how that like large organization must feel, this is a big deal. Oh, yeah, man, for sure. The next day, while Frank and the Van Dams regroup, Griffith tries to figure out how they found him and correctly assumes it might have been Danielle. So he sends his muscular lady bodyguard to frisk her and later listens in when Danielle makes a phone call to JCVD and now they're going to set a trap. What did you think of this bodyguard? 
Um, she was an interesting character. She was a very well built woman, clearly like a bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, and she kind of reminded me of a Bond villain. Like that's how it kind of felt to me yeah. when I when I looked at her. Um, she definitely was intimidating, and especially to uh, the Danielle character. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if she had been in stuff after this because it, she looks like just like tailor made to play this kind of role in a bunch of movies. And I almost feel like she might have been like just a little too late. You know what I mean? This was like 1980 something instead of 91. She probably could have had a few more things out of this kind of style was sort of going out. Yeah, I feel like she had a very female Arnold vibe. She was not a, like she didn't deliver in a comedic way. She was probably better at delivering the serious lines than Arnold. But yeah. um, it had a very similar vibe to me. She probably could have had some success if she had the right opportunities, right? Yeah, probably. This trap plan of theirs works as Chad rushes over to where Danielle is, where she shows him the one file that contains all of the incriminating information about Griffith. Literally, it's a single file folder. That seems a little thin to me. Come on. I groaned so hard that she she goes through some filing cabinets. Who knows why she has access to a file that talks about how both of their parents were murdered after this tunnel was created. <laughs> yeah, why would like, you keep that at the office? There's right? no way this would be in the file room. Like, no fucking way. There was no, like, key card or code or anything hidden, right? I guess this is pre-computers, so, like, you wouldn't find the same kind of information as you would probably hide on a computer somewhere. It would be much more believable now if someone just, like, logged into a computer and tried to steal, like, a hidden file or something. Yeah, back then, that should be in, like, his safe in his, like, yes. mansion or something. Yeah, Not exactly. at the office ring who walk in. I no. agree. Either way, Griffith is onto them, and they have to get the hell out of there. They really do, because that badass lady is just mowing people down left and right to chase after them. Yeah, they get a they get confronted inside of the uh, place where Alex lives, and they escape out a back door, and then we have a chase through an alley, and then we have a chase across a pier and some boats, and then a helicopter chases their boat. Yeah, you know who's not afraid of a Hong Kong chase scene? Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> Wait, one of these in Bloodsport, I've one now. Yeah, no, they love the back alley chase scenes too, right? The, yeah. the kind of look gritty in the, the scenes behind the scenes. Yep, as you mentioned, they end up escaping by boat, but the muscular lady grabs one of Griffith's helicopters, I guess, and spots them from the air. In fact, she spots the whole base and flies back to tell Griffith where they are. While all this is happening... Badass Jean-Claude Van Damme, Alex, he's like a caged animal, imagining his lady getting nailed by his nerdy twin. And the screenwriters are nice enough to give us a visual of them passionately banging, including some shots of her incredibly fake boobs. And I'm just praying this leads us to an all-green screen Van Damme versus Van Damme fight. <laughs> you can tell they're building to that, right? The way that they're making this Alex character just get hammered on uh what is he drinking johnny walker Johnny Walker. there's yeah. so much johnny walker in this movie so much product placement for for that and these hallucinations are pretty accurate scenes i guess of what he thinks is his brother and his girl doing it and i guess if it's your twin they're gonna look pretty similar to you you're gonna be able to imagine this pretty pretty accurately oh for sure man yeah his car looks like your so you just know exactly what to uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably Do you think twins that- have the same shape and size I probably, yeah, no, if they're identical. I don't know. That's an interesting question. You think like, identical is just face, not, uh, you know. I don't know. That's a, uh, I, we need some. If you're an identical twin and you're listening to this podcast, can you please message us and let us know if you and your <laughs> twin brother have the same <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know this information. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, this isn't kind of the internet search you want to make, but it might have results out there. It's <laughs> possible, yeah. I'm sure I'm not the first person to think of this question. Anyway, well, this is going on. I'm getting so excited for this Van Damme, Van Damme fight. And it happens as the badass Jean-Claude Van Damme Alex slaps Danielle and incurs the wrath of his nerdy brother, Chad. 
Now, they don't go green screen here, but instead just alternate over the shoulder shots with a stand-in, so you only ever see one guy's face. Yeah, you did call this. Uh, we were debating how they were going to make this happen. I mean, it made the most sense. To have them fight and try to make impact with each other on the green screen would have led to some of the fakest-looking martial arts you've ever seen. It would have been interesting if they both knocked each other out at the same time. I would have liked to have seen that <laughs> shot. Like where they both kick each other both and then they're physics. both. Yeah, yeah. That one should have happened in this um, and it didn't, but that's okay. That would have been funny, man. Anyway, Frank breaks this fight up by firing a machine gun in the air, but it seems like the team is falling apart when Alex calls Chad a f it, uh, early 90s and Chad decides to swim back to California. It's unclear whether or not he makes it, but Alex wakes up on the beach the next morning just in time to see a whole team of commando-type guys landing on the beach and storming the hotel. Yeah, what a way to wake up after drinking a 40 of Johnny Walker to see an army of people storming where your girlfriend and friend and maybe brother who you're at odds with are. Yeah, and we get some gunfire, which also wakes up Chad, who I guess decided not to try to set a world swimming record after all. And the two of them work their way back to the hotel by dodging more bullets and breaking more knacks. They fucking <laughs> love this move. <laughs> yeah. Um, so many silent kicks to the face or neck snaps for them to take down one by one the army. It's hilarious how often these military people who had stormed the beach are either alone or just with one partner. You know that one or two people won't stand a chance against JCPD. No, especially when both partners are facing the same direction. That's oh. the, that part <laughs> fucking kills me. Come yeah, on. It's true. Now, unfortunately, by the time the brothers get there, Zhang has already taken Frank and Danielle back to the mainland where they are chained up in a boiler room and just getting worked on by Bolo Yung. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Bolo's there along with another goon who we, we see briefly, but they haven't introduced a lot. I call him Mullet because he has this glorious curly black mullet, and he also has... Uh, what are those things that cowboys attach to their boots? Spurs. Spurs. Yeah. He has spurs, and he uses those in his fighting. Oh, he slashed one guy's throat with one earlier. Yeah, that was graphic. So we've we've got um, Yoon here, like our really strong guy messing people up, and then we've got uh, the sort of mullet cowboy going off as well. So another brothers have to sneak in to rescue them, which they attempt to do, but Griffith realizes they're coming and starts talking to them over the intercom. He even has Bolo Yoon pretend to kill Frank while they listen, which leads to Chad giving us a good old-fashioned... No! <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, it. This was really good. You need to have, in one of these movies, a Jean-Claude Van Damme slow-mo reaction face. Oh, he had that too. Yeah, right? definitely. Like, this happened during the no scene. You need to have him, like, break or snap, and then you know it's over. You know the bad guy's fucked yeah, like this always happens yeah. right where you get that point where you just push him too far and when you push him too far the game is over absolutely can't push a man too far the exterminator taught us that <laughs> as they get deeper into the bowels of this boat they each face separate challenges alex squares off against uh, that guy wearing the spurs that you mentioned earlier kind of an ancillary bad guy but whatever they have a like interesting fight in the kind of a shadowy room, there's like a single light that's like lighting half of their faces. It's like pretty artistic for what this movie is. Yeah, I really like this fight. Um, I was not intimidated or worried for Jean-Claude by the character they put against him. But I like the way that they played with the lighting to make this a mysterious and kind of suspenseful combat scene. Yeah, man, it's pretty cool. Now, Chad, on the other hand, has to face Bolo Yung. We got a little Bloodsport rematch here. Mm-hmm. This is, seems like a much stiffer test than uh, sort of the Mullet Cowboy. Oh, my yeah. God, yeah, yeah, for sure. 
kind of do the short straw on that one. Yeah, Yoon tears off Jean-Claude's shirt pretty early and then also takes off his own. So we're getting to see some of the, the bulk and physique of these two as they're going to go at it. I will admit, when he took his shirt off, he did look bigger. Like, he didn't still look, didn't look as big as Bloodsport, but he looked bigger than I thought he did, so. Yeah, he's big. Well, he starts showing his feats of strength by picking up these giant flammable barrels of liquid and trying to crush Yeah, I mean, he's fucking, yeah, he's like Donkey Kong in him. Yeah. He's just constantly <laughs> throwing barrels at him. Uh, but Jean-Claude Van Damme eventually powers up and spin kicks him like 10 times in a row. The last kick sends you into an electrical panel, which puts him down and starts a fire in a very flammable room. Cue the slow motion explosion as Van Damme dives out of the way. Just a great moment here. One of the things we've learned in this movie, and I think in other Jean-Claude movies, is he is a fantastic diver. The guy would <laughs> get 10 out of 10s on all of his highboard dives if he was in the Olympics. He okay. is always clean. He just jumps off these giant platforms and doesn't even make a sound or splash when he enters the water. He really should have competed for Belgium in one of the Olympics, I feel like. It just <laughs> it would have been perfect. Are we sure he didn't? We should get on Oh, that. he might so have. Damn, search. you're right. Um, while this is happening, Griffith heads to higher ground leaving his lady bodyguard to take on Alex after first making him <laughs> he drops down into the suit like a fucking spider monkey and just crotch right in his face. We had seen her very muscular thighs early and I thought this was going to be... I think it's a scene in one of the Bond movies where Bond... M.K. Jansen. Is it? Where oh, she, it is. She has very strong thighs yep. and she tries to choke she, him out with her She kills dudes while they're sleeping with her. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's what they're kind of alluding to here, but... Uh, Luckily, with just a flick of his tongue, he's able to drop out of there. Oh, God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he gets out, and then we have a bit of a battle. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty anticlimactic fight, though. He just ends up kind of stabbing after, like, a short struggle, and that's it. Yeah, it's just this, like, weak stab to the side that I didn't even look like it would kill or hurt her that much, but... She's out of it. Yeah, she's done. And now both brothers are after Griffith and Jang, who looks absolutely hilarious running, by the way. I don't know. We ran across the deck of that boat. I was just laughing the whole time. <laughs> Chad goes after Griffith while Alex follows Jang up a crane. And both of these chases end exactly the way we all knew they were going to. After some close quarters combat involving a fire extinguisher and a cane sword, Alex grinds Jang's arm right in the gears of the crane and sends him over the edge to his death. Chad, meanwhile, has to dive into the water again, a beautiful Jean-Claude Van Damme dive, to avoid getting crushed by a shipping container. Then while Griffith goes to confirm the kill, sneaks out of the water and drops the shipping container on him instead. Yeah. Irony? <laughs> I don't know. I like this. It was a pretty good uh, shot of Jean-Claude uh, having his revenge on Griffith. That shipping container drops and it's done, right? Like that would not be a nice way to go. That would be a a very messy squish. Oh my God. You, it'd be instantaneous, right? Like at least it'd be fast, but man, yeah. you know what's missing here though? No one-liner. We didn't have a good one-liner. Van Damme's not a one-liner guy. Schwarzenegger would have said something, put the button on that. Stallone even. Van yeah. Damme, not so much. I'm not too sure he didn't. Like, I think he says something right as he's dropping it, but it just wasn't memorable in the way that some of those others would be. Oh, for sure. We can't remember it now. It happened fucking like 10 minutes ago, so. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Now it's time for a triumphant brotherly hug between Jean-Claude Van Damme and a stuntman. Uh, everybody's okay, even Frank, and the movie ends with Chad, the nerdy Jean-Claude Van Damme, throwing up the okay sign, and then, fucking freeze frame. Yeah! <laughs> God damn it, that's great shit. Plus one from Cooper. Yes, please. Amazing. And we're out, man. Credits set to that amazing song we mentioned earlier. Feel the impact. <laughs> feel. Feel. Feel it. <laughs> and yeah, man, mm. uh, I gotta say, I had not seen this in like 20 years. 
it holds up to what I remember, remember like as a kid. Like, is it bad? Yes. There's no controversy <laughs> about this one. Like, we've had some controversial ones in the past, but this one, it belongs on here. But man, I had a good time watching this. What about you? I think Jean-Claude is my favorite of the martial arts action heroes of yeah. that time, right? Like his movies are ones that I enjoy the most. Um I believe I'd seen this before. I didn't remember all of the details. Um, yeah. You but weren't sure on it last week when we no, were No, I, yeah. I believe I've seen it before. It's not one of the ones that I've seen uh, most frequently. I think for some reason, Time Cop and Bloodsport. Cyborg. Aren't you a Cyborg Cyborg guy? is yeah. one that I've watched a lot. So those ones kind of stand out for me. But yeah, it's always a good time. I guess we should probably get into our ratings. Oh, for sure. And now, of course, uh, the way we rate this, uh, we do the same way every time. One to ten, two times, once for how bad it is, once for how enjoyable it is. And the idea is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales, or as we call it, the Crit Crit 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. And for me, unfortunately, this movie is not going to be bad enough to put that in play. Although, I do think it is worse a movie than Bloodsport, which we watched last season. I gave Bloodsport a 7 for how bad it is. I'm giving this an 8. Still a good action movie. The green screen stuff is tough. Him playing twins is like fundamentally hilarious, but not necessarily in a good way. There's some plot holes in this that don't really make sense. And I mean, I know he's your boy. You just talked about how much you love him, but he's not a great actor. Oh, some of the dramatic no. parts in this. No, no, no. Kind of yeah. laughable. He he is not good at delivering believable characters. I guess in character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's fair. Uh, so you went with an eight for your bad. Yeah, I just okay. think that overall, like, good action, but. Plot kind of silly. The fact that they both got raised in French-speaking areas to explain the accent <laughs> is just ridiculous. And the green screen. The green yeah. screen made it a little bit tough. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think that's fair. Uh, this is definitely a bad movie. Um, the Jean-Claude Van Damme action scenes are good. Some of the humor that they put in intentionally I liked. Uh, the innuendos, I thought for a good chunk of the movie, the double character was pretty clear yeah. and easy to follow. But I, I wasn't down with... The green screen effects. Yep. Uh, a lot of it was, it got confusing at times. There were plot holes. I still don't understand why they murdered his parents and all of this began. Something about money. Is it a money deal? I don't know. Yeah, they didn't need him anymore. That's what it so, was, yeah. yeah. But like, it just seems so, I don't know, so shallow. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, right? Like, it just didn't seem like that was a convincing reason for all of this to happen. And I know they needed that excuse to be able to, get those twins and then have them come back for that revenge. I think for me that this is probably a nine bad. Oh, wow. Okay. A little higher than I would have thought. Oh yeah. It's so no big deal. I don't know. I didn't love some of the editing. Some of the cuts um, weren't my favorite. And although we had that fun song at the end, this thing really lacked good music for me. Uh, you know what? I hadn't thought of that, but now that you mentioned it, that's 100% true. Also, the fact that no one could hit these guys with a bullet, like wound them <laughs> one time. I mean, come on, it's just a cliche. Uh, and and the tugboat races or chases were, were pretty uh, unnecessary. Yeah, I would well. agree. There's there's probably some padding in here, too. Yeah, I think um, so. How enjoyable, though, for you? You're a JCVD fan. I, you I am, um, and I did enjoy myself. Um, I thought it was fun. It actually felt a little draggy, like in the sense that they didn't get into the really good fights in action until too late for me, I think. They they had to try to build the double characters for too long. Um, but I did enjoy uh, seeing him in those two roles. I liked uh, and laughed a lot about how they tried to make the twin thing work uh, with one actor, which is which is always fun. Um, I think for me, uh, on the enjoyability scale, I'm going to give it an eight. That's fair. I had it as an eight as well for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned. It is enjoyable. Like I said, he's not a good actor, but watching him trying to act two different characters convincingly was entertaining. 
as much as some of the stuff is like cringy and like laughable, that makes it enjoyable for me. Like I enjoy that stuff as well. So yeah, I my only thing I guess is as you kind of mentioned, the fight scenes, not only does it take a while to get to them, they're all very short. We didn't really have any like big epic fight scenes. So like you know what I mean? They're all over relatively quickly, even with like the toughest of like the bad guys. So for me, I could have done a little bit more action. Um, the comedy didn't do it for me. Like some of the, like hit whatever was up with him and that fucking bird, like him acting like whatever, like didn't, <laughs> didn't do it for me, yeah. but overall I enjoyed it as well. So I had it as an eight, but as you know, Uh-oh. anytime we have a freeze frame automatically makes it one more enjoyable for me. So I'm bumping this up to a nine, nine enjoyable. I will definitely watch this again. Good time. You know what we haven't had in a very long time? What's that? Is somebody punched someone else's head off? It's been it's been a little while, yeah. Yeah, I that was my automatic plus one, and I don't think I've got to drop a single one of those this season that I can remember. Well, clearly we're just gonna have to try and find a movie in the future where that happens again <laughs> because it's been a little while. Did it happen in Flash Gordon? Did someone get the head punched uh, off in Flash Gordon? Maybe, maybe. And I don't even think yeah. I added that. That could have been a twenty-one for me. We had because we had a couple in the first season, like a few. I think. Yeah, I think three, there was or, three or four. Or four. Yeah. We saw one in Jason Takes Manhatton. Yeah. Definitely. We Killer saw Clowns, one in Killer Clowns. Yeah. Just trying to remember. I like there was one more as well, but ah, whatever. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, you might need to find a new plus one rule, but for me at least, the freeze frame puts me over the top. However, I was not put over the top by this beer. Really? You're surprised? It's a goddamn double IPA beer. This is not my wheelhouse whatsoever. And is it just because it's strong? Like, is it the alcohol content that's holding you back rather than the flavor? No, it's or? the flavor. It's not the alcohol content at all. This tastes like, I know this thing. I, I, got, I got optimistic when I read the label here because it says uh, it's balanced by a sturdy malt backbone. It only has medium bitterness and a clean and refreshing finish. But uh, to me, this was still like a very IPA-ish beer. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Not it, that refreshing for me. It's got to be the hops, I, I'm guessing. It's, I would say it's a, a good example of a West Coast IPA. So um, you definitely have that malt backbone. To me, it has a lot of those caramel and darker notes. And the hops that they use are floral, but not um, extremely citrusy or fruity. Wait, I got no fruit out of this at all. Yeah, a lot of the more Easter, East Coast style IPAs um, have a much more like fruit forward kind of taste and finish and that doesn't exist in this one um i liked it it's good um i think as a double ipa it, it doesn't jump out at me as being like way stronger than a regular west coast ipa that'd um, be helpful i guess for a lot of people if you're like an ipa drinker who doesn't yeah. really want a super no i think uh, it's i think it's clean if you're looking to get a like a very easy to drink double ipa in the west coast style then i think they've done a really good job here the brock street people I'd be interested to try some of their other styles. Um, this is like the West Coast style is not my favorite IPA style. So I wouldn't crush a bunch of these, but I'm glad that I had one. Yeah, they've got a bunch of other stuff worth looking at. They do a bunch of fruited sours, which you know I love. Um, they also have a series of lagers and like ales and stuff. Also, uh, I know that right now they have a pretty decent holiday selection. They have a gingerbread saison. They have a peppermint stout, um, like a spiced holiday ale, I think. So they do a lot of stuff. I, we're checking up for sure. And actually, if you like like hard iced teas, Theirs actually tastes like iced tea. Like I've had a few that taste, you really taste like the vodka or whatever. Theirs just tastes like a legit iced tea. They have four different flavors. Really refreshing in the summer. So Brock Street Brewing, man, they're doing a lot of stuff down there. Worth checking out for sure. Yeah, we got to try that out. I would love to try some of those other things you uh, talked about. That that Christmas pack or that winter pack sounds delicious. So that'll pretty much do it for this week. Next week, speaking of Christmas and the holidays, next week is our Christmas episode. And as promised, one year ago, when we watched Silent Night, Deadly Night, our first ever Crit 20, we said to ourselves, we got to watch the sequel next year, set up so perfectly by the first one. And so 
this Christmas, next week, we will be watching and discussing Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Nice. Uh, was Silent Night, Deadly Night our top-rated score of all time? I, I gave it a 19, and you gave it a 20. So what's funny is the next time we had a crit 20 with Human Tornado, it was also a 19 and a 20. So, uh, yeah. So the two of them are holding that, yeah. And yeah. possibly Flash Gordon. Did I give Flash Gordon a 19 or an 18? Because that was your crit 20. Yeah, so I, don't I don't remember, so it's possible. But it was our both. first, like, big. It was the first one yeah. ever. I'm excited. Success. I'm excited to uh, see this one. Um I definitely felt like there needed to be um, some more revenge uh, on behalf of our main character there because it didn't finish in a way that was satisfying for me. Oh, but they set the sequel up so, so well. Yeah, the brother's coming. Oh, he's coming. You know he's coming. Yes. That's what's happening with I him. I am excited so, for that for sure. Uh, yeah, that'll be next week. We'll ring in the holiday season with a good old-fashioned holiday slasher sequel. Until then, if you have not already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. If you have any suggestions for movies or beers or movie beer pairings, feel free to send those to our DMs on our social media or an email at thebmbpodcast at gmail.com. Yep, like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, and join us next week for Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it chat. Chat. No, you won't. Feel the impact. Impact.